We are live right here, Business in Buckets in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, Seattle, Washington, for episode 83, Business in Buckets, coming at you on this beautiful evening. We got quite the show today. We're going to talk about the Fight Night card last weekend. We have another Fight Night card this Saturday before a week off. We got playoffs, playoffs, and more playoffs with the NBA, the NHL, Supercross is over, so we'll talk a little bit about some NFL headlines. But before we talk sports, we already know the deal. We are going to talk to one and only uh, sponsor here at the Business at Buckets Podcast Network, Fueled Supplements. So, fellas, performance is at the top of the list in all categories of our lives. That's why you need counterattack from Fueled Supplements. Their advanced on-cycle and post-cycle standalone formula is much more than your average testosterone booster. Counterattack combats estrogen production, supports liver, kidney, and heart health, as well as boosts sex drive, energy levels, and lean muscle mass. So let's face it, we all want to feel like a young, energized version of ourselves. Increase vitality inside and outside the gym with Counterattack. The missus will thank you guys for it. So don't wait. Go to FueledSupplements.com and use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS. B-U-C-K-E-T-S. Now, there has been some fights announced before we dive into the fight night card this past weekend. Each week, I'm like, ah, there probably won't be a bunch of fight announcements. You know, we have some time off. There's a week off this week, and I think a week off in June. We already have 275, 276, some loaded pay-per-views. Well, that's not the case. We got Umar Nurmagomedov taking on Nate Maness. Umar Nurmagomedov uh, looking good in uh, a few UFC fights. So, you know, as a fan, you just, the, the Nurmagomedovs, they've been kicking ass, taking names. Let's see what Umar is all about. Uh, we have an amazing, amazing fight added for my 30th birthday in Vegas, UFC 276. We got Bobby Green and Jim Miller, two true veterans of the sport. That's going to be a blast. I can't wait to see how that one shakes out. We also have Sean Woodson versus Luis Saldana. Um, Sean Woodson's been on a, a a pretty good little tear of the past uh, calendar year, so it'll be fun to see him back in the octagon. Uh, this man told Dana White he wanted to fight in short order. He got his wishes. Andre Fialho taking on Jake Matthews in Singapore, UFC 275. I think that's his fourth or fifth month, fourth or fifth fight this year. Pretty wild. Um, Drew Dober taking on Rafael Alves after the wild fight against Terrence McKinney. We get to see Drew Dober back in, see if he can keep that positive momentum going. We have Ricky Simone taking on Jack Shore. The bantamweight class, one of the deepest classes in the UFC. And these are two guys that are going to be around uh, causing chaos in the rankings for quite some time. So, Two young guys on their way up. Must see TV. We have Brad Riddell versus Jalen Turner. Also UFC 276. I mean, sheesh. This fucking card is stacked. Um, I like me some Brad Riddell. He's looking for some redemption after uh, coming off a loss. I mean, as of now, I doubt the UFC website is. Well, we got Izzy uh, Israel Adesanya. Adesanya. Versus Jared Cannonier, Volkanovski Holloway Trilogy, 
those two fights alone, seeing Izzy and Holloway for the first time in Volk would be amazing. But then you mix in Sean Strickland, Alex Pieta, uh, Pedro Munoz, Sean O'Malley, Uriah Hall, Andre Munez. Like, I'm seeing I, Andre uh, Uriah Hall. I'm seeing the Sugar Show, Brad Tavares versus Drikas Duplessis. Uh, we get to see um, Jessica Rose Clark, Lauren Murphy versus Misha Tate, Jessica I versus Macy Barber, Robbie Lawler, Brian Barberina. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Can't wait. Can't wait. That's going to be a, a good time. Um, Gerald Mearshart booked right back after taking a loss against Bruno Silva. I got to see him um, in Vegas early in the year. He fought Pieta in his last fight. You know, really put him in some good spots. Um, I, I love seeing him fight. So, you know, that's just uh, two OGs in the octagon. We have Billy Quarantillo versus Bill Algeo. Uh, Billy's been having some nice fights, some good fan favorite fights. Uh, Li Jingling versus Muslim Salik. And then Aspen Lad versus Sarah McMahon coming off a nice win. She's staying, um, you know, keeping things going as she's getting a little older. Uh, that is Sarah McMahon. <clears throat> and then... I don't know how official this is, but supposedly Henry Cejudo is coming back at the end of the year for the bantamweight title opportunity. He is in the USADA testing pool. Um, you know, let's say Aljamain uh, gets a next fight, which I don't even know. I haven't even looked at it. Let's see. Bantamweight which I think should be TJ Dillashaw. So potentially Henry Cejudo getting the winner of that, which would be very interesting because TJ uh, was looking to take or took on Henry Cejudo going down to flyweight to try to be champ champ um, in his last fight uh, before he, he got some surgeries and came back to beat Corey Sanhagen. And that was a goddamn murder fest as well. But regardless, um, it is Wednesday night. Um, Tuesday nights, the Ultimate Fighter comes out. I'm a huge Ultimate Fighter fan. Some of the seasons have passed. I used to get friends together. Uh, it's a show that I, I, I just really enjoy. And um, this season has definitely been meh. I think it continues to let down. You know, I was hyped for this heavyweight fight. It was Kamara Usman's brother against this guy that's just talking hella shit. Um, I thought it was going to be fun. Someone would get knocked the fuck out. But the fight was boring. There wasn't much drama. I just have not been impressed with the fighters, especially the heavyweights, let alone just, you know, the, the things that you typically see in the Ultimate Fighter. You know, there's still coaches' challenges. There's still a lot of things to go on. I will watch, but uh, it's been meh, to say the least. Um, What hasn't been meh, what, 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 uh, something that's been very active has been Bellator. Paul Daly getting a win, um, officially announcing retirement. On the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani, he talked about potentially coming out of retirement if there's an ability to fight uh, Nate Diaz or Jorge Masvidal. Um, don't really know what the likeliness of that is. That would be super fun. You know, Daly's a scrapper. But I guess he had an opportunity to potentially box. They wanted to put him up against uh, Dan Hardy, one of his buddies. He didn't want to do that, so... Uh, most likely retirement in the books, you know, a true UFC veteran, strike force veteran, like elite XC veteran, the, all the OG promotion veterans. Um, and it was great to see him go on a storybook ending with a nice victory. And then Loyola Machida getting knocked out. 
And then um, Storley wrestling Michael Van Page the whole fight for the win. Barely landing any damage, but the main events have been wrestling Snooze Fest with um, Jesus Ryan Bader doing that a couple weeks before as well. Outside of the UFC, we have Eagles FC 47 this Friday with lots of ex-UFC blood in there. Uh, Junior Dos Santos taking on Jorgen DeCastro and Hector Lombard taking on Tiago Silva. Those are going to be great fights. Uh, you know, I'm going to try to tune in, but I'll definitely be watching the highlights or trying to see what I can get from that. Either way, I believe they're free if you sign up for something that the Eagle FC is broadcasting on. Let's talk this fight night this last weekend. I was actually pretty hyped for this fight night. Not always hyped for fight nights, uh, but it's a very deep one. There was a lot of high-quality fights. Um, obviously, the main event, the co-main, so... Um, sometimes for a fight now, I'm like, ah, if I have something going on, I'll just watch them later. But this is one that I dedicated time on my Saturday to make sure I was tuning in and checking it out. I went five and three in my picks this week. Um, fights that we didn't dive into Davy Grant with a nice win over Luis Smoka. Um, you know, I'm always tracking guys that Sean O'Malley wins, you know, Sean O'Malley, a fighter that I, uh, you know, I would say is my favorite fighter today, you know, the Montana connections, uh, but also just the way he's branding himself, running a business. And I always track and see how his uh, you know his opponents do post-fighting him. Uh, but Davy Grant doing work. Luis Smoke kind of coming on later. But Davy Grant getting a win, throwing some vicious bombs. So bravo, Mr. Davy Grant. In the prelims, we had Andre Petrosky with a first-round submission over Nick Maximov. And I was super pumped about this fight. It never really got to get anywhere, though. Uh, Petrovsky showed that his wrestling was superior to the young Maximov. He was able to lock in a super deep Anaconda choke, and that put Nick right to sleep. So this one ended early. Huge win for Petrovsky. You know, Nick being undefeated, gets to get, have that taste in his mouth. I'm sure he'll come back stronger than ever, and uh, he has a bright future ahead regardless. Um, but uh, statistically, it only took um, Andre one total and significant strike with that submission attempt. Nick uh, was able to land four total insignificant strikes in this affair. Nick suffers his first loss, like I had said. Now that he's been up to the UFC, though, he is 3-1 and one in the UFC. And Andre is on a three-fight winning streak since he was uh, on the Ultimate Fighter, where I had come aware of, of, of Mr. Petrosky. He was thought highly of in the tough house, figured he'd get an opportunity in the UFC, which he has, and performed quite well. So what's next? Well, for Nick, I think taking on Alessio Di Chirico or Jordan Wright, while Andre could take on Cody Brundage or Mark andre Berriolt. Either way, we'll see these guys active, I'm sure, late summer, early fall, and there, there's a bright futures ahead for both of them. A great fight early prelims, or in the prelims, though, uh, to tune into. Speaking of great fights in the prelims, we had Verna Jandaroba with unanimous decision over Angela Hill. I got this fight wrong. I did pick and uh, the in the Petrovsky fight. I ended up taking Nick Maximov as well, so I was 0 for two to start the day. But I'm not too surprised on how this one turned out uh, compared to the Petrovsky fight. You know, this was a, a typical wrestling match with Verna. That's really the way she's been fighting of late, and you know she was just way ahead of Angela in that regard. And it really was a clinic in this fight. Statistically, Verna landed 92 total and 14 significant strikes with three takedowns compared to Angela's 44 total and 21 significant strikes with a takedown and reversal. 
Uh, but Verna starts a new winning streak after losing to Amanda Ribas. Uh, she is 2-1 and one this past calendar year. While Angela is on a three-fight losing streak and is 1-5 in her last six fights. And they both stay at number 12 and 13 in the ranks, respectfully. What's next for these ladies? I'd love to see Verna take on Tisha Torres. They haven't crossed paths before. Tisha coming off a loss. That'd be a great fight. While Angela could take on Kanako uh, Murata. She's in a big skid right now. But someone else is trying to regain momentum. But uh, I would assume that the end is near for Angela. That's a tough loss. Uh, brutal for her. You know, I, I had picked her as the underdog. Figured she could figure a way to outstrike Verna, but she did not let it happen at all. Um, What a fight this was, man. Fucking Michael Johnson, you know, he's in a big skid, just like Angela, a little older, later in his 30s. Well, he gets a clean second-round knockout over Alan Patrick, and this was a dope fight. I mean, the first round was back and forth. We got to see how fast and crisp Johnson's uh, combos and striking is, which, you know, we're very familiar this far in his career. Um, but in the second round, he last landed a nasty, I mean, nasty four punch combo with everything landing every single punch. I think it was, uh, left hook to the face, body, body, and then one more on the chin that put him to sleep. Or maybe it was face, body, or no body, face, body, face, body, hook, left jab, you know, uh, body left. And then boom, right hand for the finish. Can't remember exactly, but goddamn, it was pretty uh, to land a combination like that. And that's all it took. Um, statistically, uh, Mr. Michael Johnson landing 40 total and 30 significant strikes with a takedown and knockdown, while Allen landed 30 total strikes and 22 of those being significant. And as it stands, Johnson is now, you know, starting a new winning streak after four losses in a row. So that's great for him. And uh, Allen is on a three-fight losing streak. He also had a no contest, no contest in that mix as well. And he hasn't won since February of 2018. So what's next for these guys? I think for Johnson, I'd love to see him take on Ignacio Bahamondes. I think I put another fighter up against him, but big, tall, lanky fighter, Chris striking. That'd be a great battle to watch. And Patrick could take on Devontae Smith. The... Prelim headliner, this is a stacked prelim card, especially for a free card on a fight night. Vivian Arahu, Arahu, Araju, uh, you know, if I look at her name, it's Arahu, Araho, but listening to the, the fight card, that's definitely not how you say it. Vivian Arajo, Araju, so, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to stop butchering it, but Vivian with a unanimous decision over Andrea Lee. And I got this fight wrong as well. I did get the Michael Johnson fight right. Um, but this was an interesting situation. Vivian was able to wrestle Andrea pretty much the whole match. And um, they did trade shots. When they did, Andrea looked really good. But Vivian stuck to her plan and grinded out a win in this fight. Statistically, Vivian landed 96 total and 39 significant strikes with three takedowns and two submission attempts while Andrea landed 64 total and 47 significant strikes with a takedown and a knockdown. Control time would be interesting here because Vivian had quite a bit of that. Vivian now starts a new winning streak. She is 3-1 in her last four fights, and she moves up one spot to number seven in the rankings, while Andrea starts a new losing streak after winning two since 2021 
and she stays at number nine in the rankings. I'd love to see Vivian take on Manon Firo next, while Andrea, I think, could take on Jessica I. Both of those would be great. Either way, you see these ladies at the octagon again. Something that you're going to want to tune into. <clears throat> Moving into the main card, we started off with Caitlin Chukagian with a split decision over Amanda Rebos. And this was a hell of a way to start the main card. One hell of a fight. You know, Caitlin used her length and Rebos was taking shots. I mean, when when Caitlin's using her her reach like that and keeping Rebos out, Rebos is eating some punches to come in. I mean, bravo, bravo. Not a lot of fighters can do that. Um, Chukagian has pieced up a lot of fighters in the situation. Um, but Rebos showed how tough she was. I guess um, she even got some takedowns, you know, in the fight. But supposedly, I guess, Rebos had had like a bursted bicep or some situation in the fight. Continue to fight through it. I am super impressed with the durability and the willingness to do that. Most fighters want it. Um, so so major props to Rebos. You know, she really impressed me as usual. While Chukagian is a true contender and Rebos is right in there with that skill level. So um, it was great to see what, you know, her continually improve in her young career. Statistically, uh, Catlin landed 71 total and 63 significant strikes compared to Rebos's 84 total and 55 significant with three takedowns in that match. Uh, Chukagian's on a four-fight winning streak, and all of them have come via decision. Amanda starts a new losing streak and is 1-2 and two in her last fi uh, three fights. She does stay at number nine in the strawweight division, but it'll be interesting to see if she continues to fly, uh, fight in the flyweight class. I would assume that's going to be the move, uh, but who knows. What's next for Chukagian? I think Lauren Murphy would be the matchup unless she hopes to see if she can get a shot if, if the the bullet Shevchenko wins again. Uh, but she had just suffered a loss from her not that long ago. And if Amanda does stay in the flyweight division, Alexa Grasso, Amanda Ribas, what a fucking banger that would be. That's a match made in heaven. And then we get the big boys. The light heavyweights own the show. And this underdog, man, I should have parlayed him with Jan Blakovich. Uh, but Ryan's, or no, I don't think Ryan Spann was the underdog. Maybe he was. I can't remember. Either way, I got the fight right. Ryan, motherfucking Spann. First round submission over Ian Kutalaba. And I love, yeah, so Spann was an underdog. Uh, he did make slight work of Kutalaba in this fight. And I would have loved it to be the slugfest that, you know, most fans probably would predict. But Span showed out. I mean, he's got these submissions. Uh, he's moving up in the in the rankings, and he, he's getting more polished each time he gets to, to do a fight camp and step foot into the cage. Statistically, it only took five total and four significant strikes with that submission attempt compared to Eon's two total and two significant strikes with three takedowns. Now, Ryan starts a new winning streak and is 2-1 in the UFC. He moves up one spot to number 12 in the rankings. And Kutalava starts a new losing streak and is 1-1 and 1 in the past calendar year. Now, I'd love to see Superman take on the winner of Jamal Hill and Tiago Santos. That's a fucking sick fight. He gets the winner of that. Even more sick. The light heavyweight, the top of the rankings is always fun. And for Ian, I could see him taking on Felipe Lins, who just had an impressive win as well. Then the main event. Jan motherfucking Blakovich with a third-round TKO over Alexander Rakic. 
And I was just so hyped for this fight when it was announced. I really liked Jan as the underdog. Um, he, you know, the win over Izzy, just the abilities that he's shown against different uh, kind of fighters. Alexander just barely turning 30. We, you know, we talked about this last week. But I, I put bets on a third to fifth round finish, um, you know, whether submission, knockout, some sort of finish. And uh, it wasn't fun that Rakic tore his ACL. That's the way, I, you know, his knee snapped, buckled. That was the end of the fight. But Jan had put those leg kicks in, had caused that bodily damage. Um, but, you know, without that knee, I think Jan was on his way. I could have got paid a little bit more in round four or five, but I'll take the winnings. Um Sad thing with Rakic is he has already suffered two ACL tears in his left knee. This is the first one to his right knee. So um, prayers, speedy recovery. That's not easy. Three ACLs, that's, you know, that's not ideal, but I'm sure he'll be back better than ever because he looked great in this fight. Now Jan continues to showcase and impress with his power and, and his smarts. And Rakic, you know, he really did show out. He showcased as long as he is healthy, he will be a problem in this light heavyweight division. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has a title one day. Statistically, it only took Jan 53 total and 31 significant strikes with the submission attempt. And Alexander had 61 total and 27 significant strikes with the takedown. Now, Jan starts a new winning streak after losing the title. He is 6-1 in his last seven fights. Alexander ends his two-fight winning streak and stays number three in the rankings. So what's next? I, you know, I believe Jan will get the winner of Yuri Prashaka and Glover Teixeira, while Rakic could take on Dominic Reyes. You know, it might be some time for his recovery, uh, but either way, not a lack of fights in the top of this division. Oops, sorry. Cheers. So this weekend, we have another fight night card. It's a little earlier start, which was nice about this past fight night card. Not only was it deep in quality fights, but it started like a, a normal pay-per-view time. So we have a 4 p.m. Pacific card with the prelims at 1 p.m. on ESPN+. And in the prelims, we start with Chase the Dream Hooper, 22 years old, with a 10-2-1 record, taking on Felipe Kobakoa Colares, the 28-year-old fighter with a 10-3 and record. Now, you know, I live in Seattle, Washington. Uh, you know, seeing Chase from Enumclaw, one of the youngest guys in the UFC roster. It's crazy to think. I feel like he's been in the UFC for quite some time, which he has. But he's only 22 years old. He already has four fights in the UFC. And the Enumclaw native does have a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. When we look at his background, he is a Dana White Contender Series alum. Five of his 10 wins are via submission, and he is coming off a loss and is 2-2 two and two in the UFC, but he does have a 4.5-inch reach advantage in this fight. Felipe is an orthodox fighter. He trains with Team Noguera. He does have a black belt in BJJ and Judo, and he is on a one-fight losing streak and went 1-1 one one in 2021, and five of his 10 wins are via submission as well. We got some ground game specialists. And this could be a fun striking battle. I say that you get two jujitsu guys together. They stick and see how they can outstrike each other. You know, they don't really play to that game. Uh, just is what I've seen from experience. Uh, but they're very talented BJJ fighters. I do believe Chase has a chance here. He's going to have to show up, show that improved striking and keep uh, um, the distance when they're on their feet. 
I like him as the underdog in this one. If I don't have to put him in a parlay, I'm not going to, though. And moving on, we have Jonathan the Dragon Martinez, 28 years old with a 15-4 and record, taking on Vince Vendetta Morales, 31 years old with an 11-6 and record. And this is going to be a fun fight as well. You know, both fighters have momentum right now. But both really need to get a win here to continue that climb up a very good bantamweight class. And uh, this could really set them up for, for future success or put them in the conversations that they want to be in. So Jonathan, he's a blue belt in BJJ. He is on a two-fight winning streak and is 4-1 and one in his last five fights. And seven of his 15 wins are via knockout. Now Vince trains at a syndicate MMA. He has a blue belt in BJJ. He is a Bellator and Dana White Contender Series alum as well. And six of his 11 wins are via knockout. Now, this is a pretty even fight here as well. Uh, but again, this could really set them up for the future of their careers, especially for Vince at 31 years old. But I am taking the Dragon, Jonathan Martinez. I am putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. Moving on. In the main card, we got Eric, ya boy, Anders, 35 years old with a 14-5 and five record. I just love that his nickname's ya boy. You know, like, <laughs> whose idea was that? Hey, we're going to call you ya boy because it's your boy, Anders, you know. Uh, chicka, chicka, you know, the workaholics. Anyways, uh, he's taking on June the Iron Turtle, Young Park, 31 years old with a 13-5 and five record. Now, this fight's going to be a violent back-and-forth affair. Those other fights earlier, good fights, even fights, but this is when shit gets real in the card. I mean, these guys have real fucking power, and they need that power to put them back in the win column in a stout middleweight division. I mean, you look at the top guys in middleweight, they're fucking jacked. They probably cut a bunch of weight, and they fucking throw down. Eric, he has a background in kickboxing and BJJ. He trains at a fight-ready MMA. He has a brown belt in BJJ. And he was a collegiate player for Alabama, Roll Tide Roll. And he did have a brief stint in the NFL, CFL, and arena football before starting in the MMA world. Now, he won a championship at Alabama. That's all great and all. But he is also a Bellator and LFA alum. He is on a one-fight winning streak and is 1-2 and two in his last four fights with a no contest in there due to an illegal knee that he had. Eight of his 14 wins are via knockout. While June, he's coming off a loss. He is 3-2 and two in the UFC and was 1-1 one and one in 2021. Five of his 13 wins are via submission and two of five losses are via submission as well. So he, he likes to play down there, get a finish, might get finished. Now... If these fighters want to last in the UFC where they're at their career, they're really going to need to show out in this fight. I believe both fighters are going to come out aggressive, but with Eric dialing things up with the fight-ready crew, I think that'll be good enough for him to dial in a good game plan, find the finish. I'm taking your boy Anders. I'm putting him on the parlay. Mark that ish down, and we getting this bread. Then this fucking fight. This is another good fight. We got Chidi... Bang Bang Najokuni Nokwani, 33 years old with a 21 and 7 record, taking on Dusko Thunder Todorovic, 
27 years old with an 11 and 2 record. Uh, now, again, another exciting middleweight fight. Both Dana White Contender Series alums. Chidi, he's on a three fight winning streak with two of them being in the UFC. He's a Bellator, Dana White Contender Series, and LFA alum. And he has a six inch reach advantage here. 13 of his 21 wins are via knockout. Now, Dusko. He's an orthodox fighter with black belts in Taekwondo and BJJ. Uh, he is a Dana White Contender Series alum. He is 2-2 two two in the UFC and was 1-2 two two in 2021. And 7 of his 11 wins are via knockout. Now, I've really liked uh, Dusko since I saw him on the Contender Series. But I believe, I believe Chidi's just a little bit more advanced. He's a fucking beast. He's fought stiffer competition. I do think he'll get the win here. He'll keep Dusko at distance and pick him apart for the scoring. I'm going to take Chidi. I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. Now moving on. Santiago, the Argentine dagger. Ponzanibio, 35 years old with a 29 and 5 record and they number 14 next to his name. He's taking on Michelle the Demolador. Pereira, 28 years old, with a 27 and 11 record. <clears throat> now, I'm really excited to see how this one shakes out. I expect three vol three rounds of chaos, some serious high volume striking. And you know, Santiago, he's a fucking dog. He's got some serious boxing ability and power behind his punches. While Michelle is one of the most unique and fascinating fighters to watch. You know, his his style is one of one. It's, it's very unique. Santiago, he trains out of American Top Team. He has a black belt in BJJ. He's an Ultimate Fighter Brazil alum. He's on a one-fight losing streak and was 1-2 in 2021. Michelle is a black belt in BJJ and Karate. He's on a four-fight winning streak and 10 of his 27 wins are via knockout. You know, I just from what I've seen in the past, I do question Pieta's ability to go deep in this fight as Ponzanibio is going to put him there. And I don't know, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I He's going to put him in deep waters. I don't know if he's going to last. Uh, he's probably going to come out high volume. Ponzanibio is going to take it, deliver it, start coming on strong in the second round. You know, Michelle could catch anyone. He does fucking cartwheel kicks and all kinds of crazy shit. But Santiago's just too well-rounded to let that happen. And he really needs some positive momentum as he is at the end of his prime. You know, he's right at 35 years old. He needs to add another win streak to the record. So I'm taking the Argentine dagger. I'm putting this motherfucker on my parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. And then the main event. We have Holly the Preacher's daughter home. 40 years old with a 14 and 5 record with the number two next to her name. Taking on Ketlin Phenomeno Vieta, 30 years old with a 12 and 2 record and the number five next to her name. Now, Holly hasn't fought since October of 2020. She's had some very impressive wins lately, but is taking on a fighter in her prime. So it's going to be a fun one to watch. You know, Holly, she's a fucking UFC legend. Her accomplishments are never ending. I can't, you know, 
even try to talk about every one of them. But she was a boxing and kickboxing champion. She was the bantamweight champion. In 2015, she had the upset of the year against Ronda Rousey. She was the breakthrough fighter of the year. Had knockout of the year. Female fighter of the year that year as well. She trains out of Greg Jackson MMA. She has a blue belt in BJJ. She's a Bellator and Legacy FC fighter alum. She's on a two-fight winning streak. And eight of her 14 wins are via knockout. And she's basically only lost to champion since 2016. Now, Ketlin, she has a black belt in BJJ and judo. She's on a one-fight winning streak and was 1-1 one and one in 2021. She is 3-2 and two in her last five fights. And four of her 12 wins are via submission. Although Holly is 40 years old, she's still a badass. She could bring the fight. I just don't know where she would go next with the win here. So I don't know how motivated she is, but you can never doubt Holly Holm. So what's next? Well, a weekend off before UFC 275, Memorial Day weekend's here, then the Singapore card. It's a stack card. Can't wait for that shit. Can't wait. I say that all the time, but can't wait. As we shift gears, we're going to talk playoffs. NHL, NBA, in the NBA, Danny Green in the Philly series and or the 76ers series ended up tearing his ACL. Uh, so he's going to be recovering that, um, you know, in the offseason, preparing for another year in the NBA. And the NBA revealed their all-rookie team, very well-stacked team here. Scotty Barnes out of the Raptors, Cade Cunningham from the Pistons, Jalen Green from the Rockets, Evan Mobley from the Cavs, and Franz Wagner from the Magic. The Magic also won number one in the lottery. Not a lot of surprises in the lottery. I didn't watch it. But we're going to pick off, pick up from where we left off. We talked, we had the last show come out on Friday. I filmed it on Thursday. But on Thursday, Miami closed down shop against the 76ers. They got the victory 99 to 90 in Philly. Um, and this was all Jimmy Butler. Playoff Jimmy is different. He puts the team on his back. If he needs to score, they need buckets. He's Jimmy Buckets. If he needs to facilitate, he's the facilitator. In this game, he had 32 points, 8 rebounds. Although it wasn't the most efficient from him on 29 shots, it still was a very good 32 points. Max Struess was more aggressive with 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists. That's great to see for them in the starting lineup. Meanwhile, the Sixers had a 20-point performance by Tyrese Maxey and 20-12 and by Joel Embiid, but Mass Joel did not treat him very well. That was 20 points on 24 shots from the big man. He was 2 of 8 from 3. I had picked the Heat to go into the championship. I actually had them winning the NBA championship when I gave you guys my NBA predictions. So, you know, Miami Beach is chilling. I'm happy about the victory. Now, I picked the Suns to beat the Mavericks. This is game uh, six. It's in Dallas. Dallas handles the Phoenix Suns. And I think the NBA world's a little bit in shock. When I mean handled, they beat them 113 to 86. And this game wasn't close the entire game. Uh, Dallas shot 41% from three. The Suns 33%. You know the Mavericks were led by Luka Doncic. 33-11-8. Pretty efficient line. And the Suns were struggling. Chris Paul with only 13 points. Devin Booker only 19 on 17 shots, 0 of 4 from 3. 
DeAndre Ayton led the team with 21 and 11 in defeat. So things are getting interesting. Can the Mavs really make a run? That's what we were thinking. Well, let's push to Friday. The Celtics, Bucks, Game 6 in Milwaukee. You know, they, they, they got the victory in Boston. You think they're in the driver's seat. You want to close out at home. Do you really want to have a Game 7 in Boston? Well, the Celtics come through. They get the victory, 108-95. to Clearly, the Bucks are missing uh, uh, Middleton scoring. But the Greek freak did what he had to do. 44, 20, and 6. 20 motherfucking boards. 44 shots on 30 shots. I mean, this guy was the fucking team. But his supporting cast didn't help a lot. Brooke Lopez, 0 for 2 from 3. Drew Holiday, 3 of 10 from 3. Wesley Matthews, 0 for 2. Allen, 0 for 4. Jordan Nora, 0 for 1. Bobby Portis, 0 for 3. Pat Connaughton, 2 for 3. They shot 24% from deep. And Boston was led by a brilliant performance by Jason Tatum after having a clunker. 46 and 9 on 32 shots. He was 7 of 15 from 3. This was superstar versus superstar. And Tatum prevailed on the road. Shit's getting real. We're going to Phoenix for game 7. Going to Boston for game 7. Who doesn't want Game 7s as a basketball fan? You know, my jazz have been out. Uh, I could just sit back, relax, and have a good time. Speaking of good time, the Warriors have a good time at the Chase Center Arena as they close out the John Morantless uh, Grizzlies, 110-96. to And this was all about the Splash Brothers. Clay Thompson with 30 points, 8 rebounds, 8 of 14 from 3. Chef Curry, 29-7. and seven. Six of seven, six of seventeen from three, so not as efficient. But the Splash Brothers led the way, and the Grizz were led, led by a valiant effort from Dylan Brooks, thirty points. But it was on twenty-eight shots, seven of fifteen from three. Um, I had predicted Warriors, um, Suns in the West, Bucks Heat in the East, and it all came down to the fun game sevens. There was a day off on Saturday, so game seven in Boston. On Sunday, and boy, were these games prime time, but they weren't that close. Uh, the Celtics really handled business 109 to 81. I th- I feel like the great freak kind of ran out of steam. He still led the team 25 points, 20 boards again, back to back 20 boards, and nine assists on 26 shots, though, one of four from three. The Bucks shot 12% from three, the Celtics 40%. And they were led by Grant Williams. What a series. Defending the Greek freak. Putting the ball in the hole. They, they, they left him open and he shot 7 of 18 from 3. And had 27 points. Boston cruises into the Eastern Conference Finals. We have a little bit of a shocker there. It's funny because last year I was like, how are the Celtics not a you know top 3 team in the East? They fell apart. Not a lot changed. Here they are. Tatum's really grown and developed though. That's the biggest piece. And then how about these Dallas Mavericks? I thought they would get potentially swept, lose in like five games. Well, they go to Phoenix and put on a show, and the Suns cannot get anything to land in the buckets. I mean, Chris Paul, 10 points on eight shots. Devin Booker, 11 points on 14 shots. He goes over from downtown. Um, and a lot of players ended up playing garbage time minutes in a game seven. And everyone wants to talk shit on Chris Paul, right? Pat Bev's on fucking ESPN talking shit. How in the fuck is Pat Bev on ESPN talking this anyways? And how is he allowed to slander CP3? Blows my mind. 
I love Pat Bev. He's a gritty guy. He plays good defense. He does his thing. But this wasn't that, you know, solely on Chris Paul. This isn't that, you know, Chris Paul isn't a superstar, that he's not a Hall of Famer, all those things that Pat Bev wants to say. I'm not going to get in that drama. It don't matter to me. But that shit's wild. What is more wild is that the Mavericks are moving to the Western Conference Finals. And as a Jazz fan, you almost think, what if, but fuck it. We weren't going anywhere. They weren't going anywhere, I should say. But Luka stole the show again. A very nice night. 35-10 and 10 on 19 shots. He was 6 of 11 from 3. And Spencer Dinwiddie pops off for 30 points on 15 shots. 5 of 7 for 3 in the Game 7 victory. So moving into this week, we're going to start. Monday was off with Game 1 yesterday on the Eastern Conference Finals in Miami. You know, I'm, 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 you know, at the point I'm thinking, yep, Miami's cruising on, and I would assume that the Warriors do their thing and cruise on to the championship as well. Well, Miami wins 118-107, and it was Jimmy motherfucking buckets again. 41 points, 9 rebounds on 19 shots. Uh, Miami only shot 33% from 3, but Boston 32%. Jason Tatum had 29 points, but on 21 shots. He did have eight rebounds, six assists. Uh, Jalen Brown with 24 shots on seven or 24 points on 17 shots, but they really missed Marcus Smart and Al Horford in game one. Kyle Lowry's out. He's already announced out game two. I'd be surprised if he plays in this series, uh, but Peyton Pritchard trying to get some buckets for the Celtics off the bench, 18 points, six of 16 from the field. And then tonight we had the Western uh, series game one and I didn't watch a lot I was watching my Angels game while I'm filming now you know Otani's on the mound they're trying to avoid the sweep in in Texas uh, Jared Walsh hits a two-run home run to go into extras and they end up blowing it Raziel gives up a two-run home run to Nathan Nathan Lowe Nathaniel Lowe uh, so brutal brutal series for the Angels but um, for the Mavericks it was pretty brutal for them as well um, all five starters for the Warriors over double digits. They were led by Steph Curry with 21 and 12 and not 12 assists, 12 rebounds while the Mavericks were led by Luka Doncic. Uh, he got scratched on his face earlier. That went viral. He had 20 points on 18 shots. So three of 10 from three, you know, that the Warriors aren't going to let, uh, Luka just, uh, you know, get the shots, get the buckets that he wants, but Hey, 1-0, the home teams have got the win. You know, Thursday will be the East. Friday is going to be the West again. I would assume both teams win. But shit's going to get interesting Saturday and Sunday when they switch to Dallas. They switch to Boston. We'll see what happens. Pretty good that those series are going game sevens. That always doesn't happen in basketball. But you know what to expect in hockey. So we're going to talk about what happened in hockey. Um, in the first round, some series is, you know, still finishing on Thursday, it was Boston hosting Carolina in a 3-3 series because they win 5-2 at home. Um, I, I When I first saw the playoff bracket, thought this might be one of the better series, but in hockey, all of them are great. That's why we're talking about it. That's why I'm watching it. That's why I'm recommending if you're not a hockey fan to watch fucking playoff hockey. Boston outshot Carolina by 9. Brad Marchand got his fourth playoff goal. And Andrei Shevchenkov gets his third to get the victory in the third period on a power play. Huge win for Boston on the road. 
Huge game here. Uh, Tampa Bay forces uh, Game 7 as they went out home against Toronto in overtime. Uh, this series has been back and forth. Both these teams get out. You know, I had picked Toronto. I'd expect them to finally get out of the first round. But Tampa Bay's got playoff history, championship history of late. Um, the shots on goal are pretty much the same. Tampa played Toronto very physical, 60 hits to 48. Um, but Austin Matthews of Toronto uh, getting his fourth playoff goal. John Tavares with the second and third. Um, but it wasn't enough because in the third, Nikita Kucherov with the second. Braden Point with the second overtime for the victory. Then we had Blues Wild. Uh, this is important for me as an Avalanche fan. The Avs get the winner. So I'm rooting for the Wild on the road, but the Blues handle business. The Blues are another team, lots of playoff experience, a well-coached, veteran-led team, and they were able to manage uh, and handle business to a, a, a Wild team that had a really great season. And shots were even in this game. Ryan O'Reilly gets his fifth playoff goal via power play, as well as Vladimir Tarasenko in the second. Um, and then they both score a goal in the in the third, but St. St. Louis comes out victorious. The Kings being the biggest surprise of the playoffs. They're at home. Can they finish? Nope. The Oilers find a way on the road. They win 4-2 to force game seven. And Edmonton led by five, five shots on goal. Connor McDavid, their star, the star of the NHL, getting a his third playoff goal in the first period. Evander Kane getting his sixth playoff goal in the second. Um, and then Evander Kane closing it out in the third with a seventh playoff goal as um, you know they keep their playoff uh, and season alive. Moving into Friday, we have series pushing for victor victories or going for game sevens. Well, the Rangers force game seven in Pittsburgh, right? There's still no Jari. Uh, Said the kid has a concussion in this game. The Rangers are uh, out shoot them by four. But really, this came down to a very good second and third period. Pittsburgh came out, guns ablaze, and Jeff Carter with his fourth playoff goal. Brian Russ with the second. They go out 2-0, but uh, New York finds a way. Chris Crater with a fourth playoff goal, as well as Andrew Kopp in the third. And uh, that first game in this series, one of the best playoff games I've ever seen, but this series is just straight chaos. Game seven in New York. The Capitals getting the lead, the win... 1-0 lead in this series. End up getting finished by the Panthers in overtime, 4-3. They don't want Game 7, the one seed. Um, Washington did outshoot the Florida Panthers by 6. Um, but TJ Oshie tried to keep his team back with it at the end of the third to tie it up with a 6th playoff goal. But Carter Varhige gets his 6th playoff goal as well in overtime. The Panthers still the show. Calgary trying to battle force game set or um, uh, close it out, but Dallas forces game seven. Their young goalie, Ottinger, is a stud. He has 36 saves in this game. Um, they win four to one, although the shots on goal are pretty much the same. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously, you, if you guys watch hockey, you know what happened game seven. I mean, we'll talk about that uh, once we get to, to Sunday. But on Saturday, the, the Carolina Hurricanes closed out the Boston Bruins. Um, shots were pretty much the same. Hits were the same. A lot of people that didn't have a lot of playoff goals scored. But Carolina wins, as expected. The higher seed there, I picked Carolina to win. So, so feel good from an analyst's perspective. 
Then we had Tampa Bay, Toronto. Um, Tampa Bay ends up getting the victory. And I think everyone, including myself, that's a fan of another team is saying, oh, shit. Uh, they went two to one on the road. Um, you know, Toronto losing a, a Canadian team. Uh, the NHL losing a Canadian team. It's brutal. But Tampa Bay just been there, done that. And they found a way. But could the Kings find a way in a kind of a Cinderella season? They could not. Edmonton handles business pretty heavily. They outshoot them by 12. Connor McDavid gets his fourth playoff goal. Edmonton celebrates um, as they move into the second round. Which sets us up for the final game sevens on Sunday. The Rangers beat the Penguins in overtime. This might be the end of the Penguins as we know it. I doubt that they're able to keep their 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 stud crew together. Um, you know, obviously they'll probably keep Sid the Kid, but what about uh, Malkin? You know, what about the other players? You know, this is like the Pittsburgh Steelers could be a dawn of a new age. Pittsburgh did outshoot the Rangers by 12. They did get Jari back as the goalie, but it it, it just wasn't enough. But how about Jake Gensel? He got his eighth playoff goal in the second period uh, with the power play. You know, this went into overtime. Um, Artemi Panarin got his third playoff goal to, to seal the victory. Brutal days for Pittsburgh here. I did pick the Pittsburgh Penguins to get the upset. But then the Calgary Flames said, hey, Edmonton, we got you. We're battling for Alberta. What a fucking story that is. They beat Dallas 3-2, to two, even though... Uh, it was 67 shots on goal for Calgary compared to Dallas's 28. This went into overtime all because of the goalie, young stud goalie and great play of David Ottinger. Um, but Johnny Gaudreau, Gaudreau, get in the victory for Calgary. What a fucking setup. What a fucking playoff situation. Game seven, game seven. There's chaos. There's chaos. But hey, we're in round two now officially. Yesterday, this kicked off with Tampa Bay beating Florida on the road, although it's an in-state battle of Florida. And um, Corey Perry got his third playoff goal in the second period via power play. And Ross Colton getting his fourth via power play in the third and Nikita Kucherov. But this one was all Tampa Bay, even though shots on goal were relatively the same. In overtime, I was stressed this entire game. The Avalanche find a way to win game one on home ice. You know, Ryan O'Reilly had a sixth playoff goal in the first period. Uh, Valerie Nakushkin gets his third in the second for the Avs. The Avs go up 2-1. Then Jordan Cairo gets his fourth playoff goal via power play in the third. And of all people, Joss Manson scoring in overtime. Um, wild, wild first game in this series. Uh, definitely stressed, although uh, the Avalanche doubled the shots on goal 25 to 54 in this game. And then we had the Hurricanes close out the Rangers on home ice in overtime. How many overtime games we've seen already? It's bonkers. Pretty much the same amount of shots on goal. Sebastian Aho, Aho with his third playoff goal in the third period. And then Ian Cole with his first playoff goal in overtime. Carolina steals game one. I would assume Carolina moves on. Edmonton, Calgary, Battle of Alberta. It's still going on. Six to nine, Calgary leads at home. Um, shots on goal are 20 more from the Flames side. Matthew 
Tashuk had his fourth playoff goal in the, the first period, his third and fourth. He also got another play, uh, playoff goal in the second period via power plays. Had three goals. He's got the hat trick. Blake Coleman with two pl- playoff goals today. Connor McDavid with a playoff goal. This is straight chaos. Could you imagine seeing this live in Canada? I was watching this for quite a while earlier. Why I uh, you know, was waiting for the Angels game to be finished. But uh, this is going to be a great series. I, I really do think Edmonton is going to win it, but it's going to be a hard-battled series. It's going to be fun. How can you hate playoff hockey? Uh, but I'm excited for my abs to take on the Blues again tomorrow. Um, Florida, Tampa Bay, the Battle of Florida, the Battle of Alberta. The ice is heating up. But we're going to switch gears to MLB. Some headlines around the league. James McCann with a fractured left hand for the Mets. Uh, They've been a hot team, one of the better records, but still a tough loss for them. Bryce Harper has a UCL tear and won't throw for four weeks. He is going to remain in the Phillies lineup uh, as DH. I think I saw today he's not throwing for six weeks, but brutal news uh, for the Phillies, playing in a very tough NL East, you know, trying to, to find a way to get into the playoff picture. Alex Rodriguez is now interested in his hometown, Florida Marlins. Our Miami Marlins, he's wanting to, you know, potentially purchase into them. Out goes Derek Jeter, insert A-Rod. Surprise, surprise. Wild news here, the Reds lose to the Pirates, even though they did not give up a hit. The first time, I believe, since 93 that this has happened. Uh, You know, baseball is a game of chess, not checkers, but that's wild that you can uh, lose a game without, you know, giving up a hit. Announced today, Chris Paddock having season-ending Tommy John surgery. That's, you know, never good for anybody. And then Albert motherfucking Pools moving into the top 10 all-time in hits in the MLB. And he's going to keep inching his way up. You got Wainwright. You got Yachty. You got Pools. They continue to do their thing. <clears throat> but last weekend, we had some good series of, you know, teams that are in, in the higher up in the standings battling it out. The Brewers beat the Marlins 2-1. The Padres beat the Braves 2-1 and some high-level NL teams, potential playoff preview. The Rays beat the Blue Jays 2-1 in an AL East matchup. The Mariners getting back on track. They're beating the Mets. They beat the Mets 2-1. I lost some money in my parlays on Scherzer on the mound. I thought he would definitely beat the, the Mariners, and they got the victory. The Twins beat the Guardians 2-1 in an AL matchup. Some top dogs in the AL. The Yankees beat the White Sox 3-1 in a four-game series. Going to the NL, the Cardinals beating the Giants 2-1. Great series win for the Cardinals. And then the Dodgers beating the Phillies 2-1 after getting swept the weekend before. But this weekend, we have some fun ones as well. Marlins, Braves, they're both 17-20 basically. So trying to get above 500. The, The White Sox get a revenge tour against the Yankees as they're uh, battling for 500 at 18 and 19. Dodgers-Phillies right back in action again. This one's on ESPN Plus on Friday. We got Mariners-Red Sox in Boston as the Mariners get closer to 500 and the, the, the Red Sox keep sliding. And then we have Padres-Giants in the NL. That's a huge, big-time series. 
As we look at the standings, the Yankees with the best record in baseball at 28-9, five and a half games ahead of the 23-15 Rays. And then Toronto's above 500 at 20-18. The Twins, three and a half games ahead of the White Sox in the AL Central. The Astros, a game ahead of the Angels now in the AL West. Both teams at 21 win, or 24 wins. The Mets ahead of the NLE, six games ahead of the Phillies, just under 500. The Braves and Marlins trying to catch up with 17 wins at under 500. The Brewers, three and a half games against the Cardinals in the NL Central. And then the Dodgers, two games ahead of the Padres, the 23-win Padres, and the three games ahead of the 22-win Giants. That NL West is going to be a fucking barn burner. But to wrap up episode 83, we're going to talk some NFL headlines. The Raiders trade Brian Edwards and a seventh rounder to the Falcons for a fifth rounder back to the Raiders. Um, I like this trade for both teams. The Falcons need receiver depth. And with the Devontae Adams addition to Las Vegas, probably not any playing time for Brian Edwards. Jarvis Landry finally signs. He signs with the Saints. The Saints now have um, Kent guard Mike, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave. Things are different in New Orleans. The Dolphins keep signing. They sign Melvin Ingram. The Packers extend their shutdown corner, Yair Alexander, to a four-year $84 million deal. I think 30 guaranteed. Kevin Burkhart announced to be the lead play-by-play uh, um, person for Fox Football. Sean Payton is also joining Fox. Drew Brees is out at NBC. He joked about a potential football, um, you know, reinvigoration, but uh, I'm sure he'll find himself somewhere. But kind of odd that after one year he's out at NBC. The Eagles signed coveted free agent James Bradbury to a one-year $10 million deal after he's released by the Giants. As a Steelers fan, I'm definitely a little bummed out there. Philip Lindsay signing a one-year deal with the Colts. That seems like a match made in heaven. Uh, a utility tool in the backfield like Naeem, Naeem Hines. And then ESPN reaches a deal with the XFL to broadcast their regular season and playoff games uh, once they kick off. And elsewhere in sports, the U.S. soccer reaches a deal that will provide equal pay for its men's and women's nationals team. I know there's been lots of headlines by the women women's side of soccer to, to make a push for this. So a step in the right direction. Hopefully other leagues and countries can follow. And then announced a, you know more broadcasting news. Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Dan Orlovsky are all going to be calling games for ESPN. Uh, bravo to Dan Orlovsky getting that job. But hey, it's almost summer. You're like me. We gotta, you know, we gotta get this figure worked out. We gotta get in the best shape. Check out FueledSupplements.com. If you're buying supplements, you're looking to lose weight, you're looking for some fat burners, some pre-workout, whatever it is, check them out. And use my promotion code BUCKETS to save some money while doing it. Excited to chat with you guys next week. Episode 83. We out here. Deuces.